Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host. So good to be on with you, Joe McLean here. It's uh, Friday, August the 19th, 2022. Praise be to God. Good morning. You have survived the week. It is Friday. The weekend is upon you. Uh, You're just hours away from uh, whatever it is, snake handling. Uh, I don't know what you do on your weekend, uh, but nonetheless, I'm milking you know, the venomous uh, spiders of Australia, whatever it is you do on your weekends, it's going to be amazing, praise be to God. And we're going to have a great show today. Monsignor Charles Pope, a pastor out in the Washington Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., he's going to be our guest this morning at 35 past the hour. We're going to be talking about how do we reject the novelties and abuses we find often in the liturgy, yet embrace the sacred and the beautiful uh, liturgy Uh, that we have. Uh, We're going to be discussing that with Monsignor Charles Pope at 35 past the hour. Uh, At uh, 15 past the hour, my good friend Mark Houck from the King's Men Apostolate is going to be on. There was an article out about a Canadian man who began to share his experience, a brag about getting a vasectomy after, or he got his right before Roe v. Wade, but he encouraged all men everywhere to get a vasectomy because, you know, it takes two to tango, he said. And uh, men have to be responsible, or else they may have to help raise children, and we wouldn't want that. Heaven forbid. We're going to have that conversation with Mark Howe coming up in just a little bit. Hey, at the top of the next hour, if you can join us, we surely would love to have you. You might have heard, it's been like tearing up the uh, the Twitterverse. Uh, There is a commentary out by Bishop Barron on Elijah getting fired by God. Because he, you know, he slaughtered 450 priests of the devil. And so he got fired for that. Well, we're going to have a conversation with Hector Molina from a biblical perspective on Bishop Barron's commentary on Elijah coming up at the top of the next hour. So please do join us. You can always watch us live on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Hey, uh, lots of stories in the news. Boston Children's Hospital, they are still doubling down trying to deny that they are uh, involved in some of this uh, grotesque surgeries, even though they still do remove the breasts of teenage girls uh, under 15. So there's there's that. Hey, New Jersey Education Association, they uh, put out a new ad and basically calling parents extremists. That's always fun. Catholic Extension, a charity, this is good news, by the way, is uh, has uh, great ties in Uvalde, Texas. They are providing scholarships to up to 30 students who are affected by the Rob Ele- Elementary School shooting. Praise be to God. That's good news. And uh, Google contractor workers, they're demanding that the company extend out-of-state abortion coverage for them as well. So, thanks, Google. I can't wait to get to heaven, and there will be no more Google. Praise be to God. Hey, uh, we do have a change-up on the team this morning. Uh, Adrian Fonseca is not on the ones and twos today, but in fact... Uh, Rudy Carlos has taken up the uh, the DJ stand there. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning. Good to be here, and uh, I feel a lot more comfortable behind this producer setup than really? I was last time. Mm. So thanks be to God. Mm. Should we should we change things up permanently when Adrian gets back? I don't know. What do you what do you say, dear mm. listener? Yeah, let, let, us, let know. us know if you're watching on the live feed. <laughs> comment below. What do you think? You want Adrian to read the news, and you want 
Rudy to do the producing, uh, let us know. We'd, that'd be kind of a fun little a little poll there. Hey, but guess who's filling in for Rudy Carlos today? Is our good friend Mike Koniger from Virginia, the brick wall. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning, good morning. We have Jam Master Rudy over there on the one. <laughs> wicka, wicka. How's it and going? I'm over here as the second MC, so we're going to have a rocking good time this morning. Yeah, praise be oh. to God. Now, Mike, you know what I mean when I say ones and twos. You're old enough to know what that means. Absolutely. Turntable one, turntable two. Exactly. Hit it, Rudy. Give us a yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. You know, it's fun because uh, WKRP, they actually played vinyl records, uh, so they depicted good old school radio with actual records playing so it still has a radio history a radio background there but uh, a lot of a lot of the kids today they're like what's the ones and twos like come well, on man know, they don't even know what a cd player is so let's be honest. <laughs> exactly exactly how are you feeling mike I, i'm feeling much better you know it's allergy season here in virginia so we we enjoy that and at night getting down to 62 so you open up the house Ooh. but guess what happens when you do that so. yeah. Yeah. all of those <laughs> pollens come rushing into your yes, nose sir. <laughs> so to be on the show today i had to shut the house up and pay the air conditioning man oh well <laughs> praise be to god all right we're going to jump into it so much to get uh talking about today please do share us with a friend in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen remember O most gracious virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Mike Koniger. Good morning and thank you for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday, August 19th, and here are your headlines. From LifeSite, Pope Francis says there are insufficient elements to launch an investigation into Cardinal Olette. Regarding the allegations of recent days reported in the press concerning eminence Cardinal Mark Olette, the director of the Holy See Pre Office, Matteo Bruni, says that having completed the preliminary investigation entrusted by the Pope to Father Jacques Survey, the conclusion of which was that there are no elements to initiate a trial against Cardinal Olette for sexual assault, read the Thursday statement. Since 2010, Olette has served as the prefect for the Dicastery for Bishops and the president for the Pontifical Commission for Latin America. And Breitbart tells us that all-girls school ditches policy that would have allowed boys to attend after pushback. Harpeth Hall, a private all-girls school in Nashville, Tennessee, has backed off a policy that would have allowed boys who identify as girls to attend the school after pushback from the community. The board's decision to back down is a victory for parents who, following the initial letter, advocated for their daughter's safety and for the integrity of the all-girls school. Sounds to me like they probably lost a few donors. And Newsweek tells us Putin promises Russian mothers $16,000 for having 10 children. Under the decree issued on Monday, a one-off payment of 1 million rubles or $16,400 will be awarded to a mother who is a citizen of the Russian Federation and has given birth to and brought up 10 or more children who are citizens of Russia. The prize is awarded on the condition that the other nine children are still alive. However, exceptions will be made for mothers whose children died or went missing in defense of the fatherland or in the performance of military service or civil duty. And from the BBC, the International Space Station and the International Space Station, a girl eight years old chats with astronaut on amateur radio. 
An eight-year-old girl from Kent used her father's amateur radio equipment to chat with an astronaut aboard the International Space Station. Isabella from Broadstain spoke to American Kel Lindgren for about 45 seconds as the ISS passed overhead. Dr. Lindgren said the conversation may be my favorite so far. Isabella's parents said their daughter has long held an interest in space and ham radio, and they are encouraging her to apply for an amateur radio license. And those were your headlines this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Gregorio Martos Munoz. Born on April 3rd, 1908 in Argentina, he was born to a farm family who had migrated from Valor, Spain to Argentina in search for a better life. Gregorio was baptized at the age of nine days. When the boy was 10 years old, the family returned to Spain. When he was old enough, Gregorio studied at the seminary in Granada and was such an able student that he graduated early and served as a teacher before ordination. Ordained a priest in the Archdiocese of Granada in 1933, as a parish priest, he was known as a gentle pastor who had lived a life of poverty and cared deeply about the sacramental life for the poor. Father Gregorio was arrested by anti-Catholic forces at the start of the Spanish Civil War and was imprisoned in Dalias Berja and uh, El Ejido prisons. His captors tried to get him to renounce his faith and at one, t one time tried to get him to desecrate a medal of the Virgin Mary. He swallowed it to get away from them and eventually they gave up on changing him and murdered him instead. He is recognized as a martyr. Blessed Gregorio Martos Munoz, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadock's commentary says, The Pharisees assembled themselves together that they might confound him by their numbers, whom they could not by their arguments. I found that very fascinating. So, uh, as the passage tells us, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are all the scholars. They're all teaming up. Now, these are groups that didn't really get along. They're kind of like siblings. I don't know if you've got a bunch of kids and, you know, my kids get into these little sibling, you know, quibbles and they start bickering with one another. It's kind of like that on a daily basis amongst these groups, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the scholars, etc., the Herodians. Uh, but for whatever reason, it was the Lord Jesus Christ who came, who brought them together. So... Upside? I don't know. But they didn't have good intentions. They still wanted to trip him up. They still wanted to find some way of getting him uh, to uh, sort of uh, make himself open to an error of some kind. And they thought if somebody could do it, then they could all take credit for it. But no, that didn't happen. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Now, it's interesting because pseudo-Chrysostom is writings from the early church 
that were attributed to Chrysostom, but probably weren't written by him. We don't know who the actual author is, so it has the title Pseudo Chrysostom. This is what Pseudo Chrysostom says. Whoso serves God in fear escapes punishment, but has not the reward of righteousness, because he did well unwillingly through fear. God does not desire to be served uh, severely by men as a master, but to be loved as a father, for that he has given the spirit of adoption to men. But to love God with the whole heart is to have the heart inclined to the love of no one thing more than of God. To love God again with the whole soul is to have the mind stayed upon the truth and to be firm in the faith. For the love of the heart and the love of the soul are different. The first is in a sort of uh, carnal, that we should love God even with our flesh, which we cannot do unless we first depart from the love of the things of this world. The love of the heart is felt in the heart, but the love of the soul is not felt, but is perceived because it consists in a judgment of the soul. For he who believes that all good is in God, and that without him is no good, he loves God with his whole soul. But to love God with the whole mind is to have all the faculties opened and unoccupied for him. He only loves God with his whole mind, whose intellect ministers to God, whose wisdom is employed about God, whose thoughts travail in the things of God, and whose memory holds the things which are good. Close quote, pseudo Chrysostom. Do you get the point there? Do you see the, the little theme that goes throughout to love God with one's mind, soul, and heart, and everything? Is to be completely surrendered from this world, detached from this world, and completely given over to God. Whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God, as St. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, right? I do all, eat or drink, sleep or whatever I do, I do it for the glory of God. So this morning when you got up, did you get up for the glory of God? Do you tie your shoes for the glory of God? Do you get in your car and drive to work today or school or whatever you're doing today? Do you do it for the glory of God? This is to give one's whole mind, body and soul over to the Lord. Haydock's commentary would go on to say, It is evident that all dependeth not upon faith only, through faith be fir- though faith be first, but much more upon charity, which is the love of God and our neighbor, and which is the sum of all the law and the prophets, because he that hath double charity expressed here by these two principal commandments fulfilleth all that is commanded in the law and the prophets. Let's quote Haydock's commentary. Let's give it all to God today. After this quick break, Mark Hopp from the Kingsmen will be our guest. Don't go anywhere. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life, because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human. Some Protestants like to charge the Catholic Church with changing the Ten Commandments because it omits the prohibition of making graven images found in Exodus 20. But is this true? No. And here's the reason why. Like Augustine, 
The Catholic Church sees the prohibition of making graven images as merely an extension of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. In light of the context, it seems that Augustine was right. For immediately after God prohibits the making of graven images, he says in verse 5, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. The prohibition is against idolatry, not the making of images in an absolute sense. So the Catholic Church didn't change the Ten Commandments. And it's not guilty of idolatry and having statues in its places of worship. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to have a conversation with Monsignor Charles Pope uh, about the Mass. Uh, there's been a lot of tensions that have been rising within the church, not only in the hierarchy, but among the lay folk as well, between uh, Novus Ordo Masses, traditional ad Masses, and whatever. And uh, we're going to have a conversation around all of that. How do we embrace the beauty and of our liturgy without throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Monsignor Charles Pope will be on at 35 past the hour to discuss that. At the top of the next hour, Hector Molina is going to be our guest to talk about Bishop Barron's commentary on the prophet Elijah getting fired. Uh, that's news to me, and a lot of people have been responding on Twitter about that. So Hector Molina is going to give us a biblical perspective on uh, 1 Kings 18 at the top of the next hour. Uh, so please do join us. And one more thing, let me uh, get the housekeeping out of the way this morning. Uh, today is the day where I will be sending you the CDT Insider email. So if you're not on our email list, can I encourage you to uh, to join because I like to send goodies every single week and I'm, I've been doing it on Friday the last several weeks to to make sure that you have something over the weekend that uh, will just brighten your day. So I think today I'm going to be sending you Shakespeare's Hamlet. Uh, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. Last week I sent Joan of Arc. I think this week I'm sending Shakespeare's Hamlet. So if you would like to get that in your inbox today, this afternoon, be sure to go to our website grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Look for the Insider CDT Insider email link. You can click that. Just takes a moment or two to get on the list. We'll send you a talk by Father Bill Casey. That is a powerful talk about the state of the church today and what you need to be doing and thinking and praying about. That'll go into your in inbox right away just as a thank you for signing up. So be sure to go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to get signed up today. The other thing you could do is just pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. If you text the letters GRN to the number 42828, uh, that will get you on the CDT Insider email list as well. Super quick, super easy, and uh, you'll let me harass you in your inbox at least once a week. Praise be to God. I intend to uh, to do good with it, I promise. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. My good friend Mark Kalk from the Kingsman is supposed to be on with us, and uh, hopefully he'll join us at any second now. We'll get him on. But I saw this story out of uh, BusinessInsider.com yesterday. The headline says, Meet a Canadian man who's sharing his vasectomy experience to encourage men there and in the U.S. in a post-Roe v. Wade world. Um, I find this interesting uh, for a number of reasons, but let me read a little bit of the article to you. 
It says the news of the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade uh, enraged Olivier, even though he doesn't live uh, in the United States. I guess it's Oliver. I, that's how you would say it. It's I-E. I'm supposing it's Oliver. We're going to call him Oliver. The 28-year-old is from Canada, and he had gotten a vasectomy just months before the Supreme Court decision. And once the news dropped, he used social media to persuade other men to do the same. Vasectomy, quote, is, safe, is a safe alternative to female birth control. Contraception is not only a woman, is not only on women, but on us men, close quote. He wrote in a lengthy Facebook post in June, quote, be smart, make the right choice, close quote. In an interview with the insider, Oliver said he had noticed that only his female friends had ever spoken or thought about birth control. Quote, women were talking about how shocked they were about what was happening in the U.S., close quote, he said, going on to say, but quote, men uh, they were all silent. No one was talking about it, close quote. Despite the fact that he does not live in the U.S., Oliver said the news is still applicable to him and to other Canadians, even though the decision was te- teased in May when Political published a draft Supreme Court opinion signaling a reversal of Roe v. Wade. The news shocked Oliver because he said, quote, it's not impossible that people will try to do the same here, close quote. Going on to say, quote, here in Canada, we are kind of protected, he said. But what will happen if it were here, if the loss of rights were in Canada instead, close quote. At the same time, speaking out in favor of vasectomies is a way to show solidarity with women in the United States, he said. Quote, I realized that we had stepped back for the, for the progression of women's rights, he said. Going on to say, quote, we are taking a step back. We're taking away rights, close quote. Now, I think you get the point. I don't think I need to read all the rest of it because you kind of get where I'm going with this, don't you? I mean, let me, let me just share something with you. I, uh, as you know, if you've listened to this show a number of times, you, you've heard me reference this. I took a woman to get an abortion back in 1994 in Honolulu, Hawaii. It's a very common thing at abortion mills. To see the fathers of these children taking the mothers of these children to abortion mills and giving them only one single option. That's abortion. Because as I would have said back in 1994, my younger self, serving in the Marine Corps, stationed in one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth, that I want no connection. I want no commitment. It's a good time. It's not a, it's not a commitment. That is how I saw the world around me. I served at the altar of me, and I was the high priest. And so vasectomies are another way, as Oliver is pointing out here, another way to ensure that there is no commitment, there's no responsibility, because the alternative is, and it's funny because in his comments, he sort of hints at it. Guys, we have to be responsible. We have a role to play. Well, duh. Where's my duh button when I need it most? Duh. Of course you have. There you go. Duh. There, of course you have a role to play. And what? What? What if we would have to take care of this child? Oh, even worse. What if we had to take care of the mother too? Because isn't that our role? Isn't that our 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 lot as men, made in God's image and likeness, to be priests, to be prophets, to be kings, to be leaders, protectors, and providers? And yet I know that there are many, many Catholic men today who have had vasectomies. For whatever reason in their life, they have had these 
Maybe they thought it was okay to do. Maybe they, at the time, they rationalized, as I did when I was rationalizing back in 94, taking that woman to abort and murder a child, which I am responsible for. Um, For whatever reason, there are many men in this scenario today. And I wonder if they've ever stopped to ponder the action that they have taken. And I know, Mike Koeniger, I know this hits home close to you. It it certainly does, Joe. And uh, you you just confessed a grave sin. I'll confess my grave sin. I did get the... The SNP, as they call it. Uh, I had fallen away from the church at a pretty young age, spent decades away. And when it was presented to me as a way of dealing with an issue, they didn't talk about alternatives. I I got that this is the way you can ensure that your wife won't die if she gets pregnant. And and that was literally how it was laid out to me. Really? Yes. And so, you know, and, and I was in that same military culture you were in when you made your poor decision. And I'm sorry, it was a poor decision. I'm sure you know that. Yes, I do. <laughs> and, and so I made a similar poor decision. And, and the, you know, in the moment, you don't think about it. Joe, when it really hits me is on Sunday when I go to church and I see those families with seven, eight, nine kids, I feel an extreme sense of loss, mm. just utter loss. What yeah. did I give up? And, and why didn't I do what I do now as an older man where I research everything and make sure I know all the ins and outs of everything? And had I done that, I would have probably never made – in fact, I know I would have never made that decision. I just yeah. wouldn't have. You know, I don't want to condemn all men who have made this decision. What I want to do is make an appeal, right? Uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, it is reversible, but I don't know that for a fact. $25,000, Joe. Oh, well, I thought this was going to be hard. What are you talking about? <laughs> Now, uh, oftentimes, I know men who have had the vasectomy, who have regretted it, uh, uh, have had consultations with a spiritual director, and oftentimes they'll say uh, they're not forced to have them reversed uh, at this point. Uh, And I guess $25,000 is a pretty significant barrier to entry there, uh, to be sure. It is, and I I spoke with my confessor at the time. Uh, when I re- returned to Mother Church, I spoke to with my confessor, and that was not something I, that was required of me. But uh, he did point out you had other decisions you could have made, and um, mm. he was absolutely right. He, he was absolutely right. You know, I, I think there might be some men who might be listening now, or or somebody who knows some guys that are on this uh, the, on the verge here, and I think that's something they should consider very carefully. And I, I've one thing I've heard from a lot of men who've had this made this decision. They'll say, but. Okay, having children is expensive, and we can't afford it right now. But I, I push back and I say, okay, let me let's see your checkbook. Let's let's look at let's review your finances. Uh, what are you prioritizing in your life, and what aren't you prioritizing in your life? You know, uh, we live in an age where we have prioritized so many things that we are required to have two-income homes. Uh, our wives have to work because otherwise we can't pay the bills. Um, but when I brought my wife home from her job so that we can homeschool our kids and care for our growing family, I had to work three jobs just to cover her salary because she made more money than me. It was very hard, very difficult. But I argue, and I would like to get your take on this, Mike, uh, I think we don't, if we're being honest, we probably aren't prioritizing our finances in the way we ought to be. Joe, I, guilty as charged. I mean, I, I, you know, I've always heard if you want to know what a person stands for, look at their checkbook, and, <laughs> and there's no doubt that's the case. The other thing is, is one kid is expensive. Two kids aren't as expensive as one. 
meaning that you know the old saying cheaper by the dozen they Amen. really are and, yeah. and so uh <laughs> and i come from a, a relatively well now it's it's a large family back in the day it was just average i think there are six of us so i think that was about average back then but my my dad will always say you know it was tough with three it was much easier with six because the costs just are not exponential yeah so I'm with you, and I think we are being short-sighted when we remove something that is elemental to our being as men. And mm. I know we're at the almost at the end of the segment, but this is is a big part of what we are as men. Yeah, and we're I hate to say it, we're becoming eunuchs in, yeah. in many ways. So well, here, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, but what would you say to a guy who is considering getting a vasectomy because he doesn't want the responsibility? He wants to avoid this responsibility once a good time not a long time what would you say to him uh, what you think is easy today will impact the rest of your life just the converse being our, our mothers who abort their children they pay for that price for the rest of their lives and don't do it don't do it don't do it yeah it's a, it's amazing that the mentality the rationalization that we we give and i do see the link between my rationalization and abortion and I also participated in con contraception, to be sure, but uh, in vasectomy, it's like, uh, you know, women deserve total commitment. They deserve to be loved. Their children deserve to be loved, cared for, provided for, protected. That is, that is inherent to our person as, a, as made in the image and likeness of God. It's stamped into our very DNA. And yet we avoid it like the plague because we really just want the world to serve us and our pleasures, our disordered passions. So let us pray for men who have made this decision, this rationalization. Let's pray for their total conversion. Let's pray for those men who are considering it to not consider it. It's the worst thing you could do. It is not going to further you in the cause of your own salvation, let alone for your need to be a man made in God's image, to be a, a leader, a protector, a provider, a priest, prophet, and king. Speaking of which, I and Mark Houck, who uh, wasn't able to join us, so we'll get him on another time. Uh, I'm going to be at the End of the Wild Retreat, which is a retreat based on leader, protector, provider, teaching that to men. It's a great retreat. You can go to thekingsmen.org for more details. It's in September. I'm going to be there. Tell a man. We'll be right back. Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, what's wrong for you may be right for someone else. And besides, what's right and wrong changes like everything else. You can't fight these things. You have to just go with the flow. G.K. Chesterton says, right is right, even if nobody does it. And wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. Right and wrong are not based on fashion and personal preferences, and not on the calendar. They're based on the laws of God, on eternal truth that does not change. And as for going with the flow, G.K. Chesterton says, A dead thing goes with the stream. Only a living thing can go against it. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Millions in PPP loans to companies linked to Pelosi's husband, a Kardashian, and other celebs forgiven. Some companies owned by wealthy celebrities that receive thousands by way of the Paycheck Protection Program intended to help small businesses survive the pandemic will not have to repay the money borrowed. Good American Gene Company of celebrity influencer Khloe Kardashian, whose net worth is estimated at about $50 million, received a roughly $1.25 million EPP loan. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, has an 8.1% share in the restaurant business EDI Associates, according to the Daily Mail. Financial disclosures show that the California couple has a net worth of $43 to $202 million. EDI Associates took out two loans worth over $1.7 million in total, which were both forgiven, including interest. And Paul Pelosi's share of that would have been about $138,000. Malicious intent suspected in Wolf Escape Greater Vancouver Zoo says. The Greater Vancouver Zoo said Thursday afternoon that a number of its wolves were on the loose after the animals were believed to have been released from their enclosure as a result of malicious intent. However, it said there was no danger to the public and it was working with the BC Conservation Officer Service to contain the animals. And your Labor Day flight will cost 23% more than last year. The travel booking company found that domestic airfare over the holiday weekend will cost an average of $278 per round trip, marking a 20% increase over rates seen in 2019 and 23% increase over those in 2021. Roughly 12.6 million passengers are expected to fly with those leaving on Thursday, September 1st or Friday, September 2nd, witnessing the highest prices. And those were your headlines this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, uh, Mike, for keeping us up to date. Praise be to God. Uh, don't forget to join our email list today because I'm going to be sending it out. Going to be sending out Shakespeare's Hamlet. Again, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get on the CDT Insider email list. You know, um, I'll never forget. I think it was 2008. It was at the Cathedral of Corpus Christi in, in uh, Texas, Corpus Christi, Texas, the cathedral down there. And uh, I was going to a daily mass, and the priest who was presiding over the mass was uh, a salt priest, Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And uh, I, was, I was profoundly impacted by one specific part of the mass. Uh, the whole mass was uh, very reverent. It was very sacred. It was very beautiful. Um, and, of course, being said in a cathedral, it gives a little bit more epic, you know what I'm saying, a little more gravitas. But it was watching this priest cleanse and purify the vessels after communion that blew my mind. I had, by that time, I had been a Catholic almost a decade. I was received into the Catholic Church at the Easter Vigil of 1999, having been baptized in the Church of Christ sometime when I was like seven or eight years old. Uh, I was only uh, confirmed and received first of all the communion at the Easter Vigil, uh, but with uh, Bishop McCormick at the cathedral in New Hampshire. And in that decade, I can't recall a single occasion where I saw the level of intentionality, the level of effort to so precisely clean and purify 
these vessels. I mean, it caught my attention, and I was laser-focused. I had not seen anything like it in the decade that I had become Catholic. It was just mind-blowing to watch him so precisely, so carefully analyze, watching, looking so intently at every single uh uh, square inch of all of these vessels, the, the you know the the chalice and the patent, and just making sure that there wasn't a single uh, piece of the consecrated host remaining, a particle remaining anywhere, or the precious blood, and just being so careful and uh, to clean these things. And I was just blown away, and it caught my attention. And I have to say that this. This pretty much illustrates my journey when it comes to the liturgy and pious practices of the faith. It was so foreign to me to see this level of intention. My, my experience has always been sort of the opposite of that. It's always been, well, uh, they kind of go through the motions, they do it, they do it as quickly as they can because they don't want people waiting too long or getting antsy in the pews and, and whatever. And yet this really spoke to me about something much more profound, much more sacred, much more, more holy, much more reverent. So uh, I, I bring this up to point out that we live in a day and an age where there are a lot of tensions rising within the church between traditional communities and non-traditional communities. More characterized as, say, as Nova Sordo or, or trads. And I lament this. I feel like this is... This is not good for the church. It's happening within the hierarchy of the church, of course, and it's happening at the lay folk level, too. And I saw uh, a tweet, I think it was either earlier this week or it was late last week. This tweet came out by Bishop Thomas Tobin. Bishop Thomas said, I am convinced that if the church is to prosper in the present age, it cannot hesitate to embrace and support traditional Catholics, traditional liturgies, and traditional moral values. Do not conform yourself to this age, St. Paul warned followers of Christ in Romans 12.2. I love this commentary from Bishop Thomas Tobin. I think it speaks very clearly to the issue that we're having today and to the need to, uh, to have a candid conversation. So to join us to conversate about that is Monsignor Charles Pope from the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Good morning to you, Monsignor. Monsignor, are you there? Oh, um, Monsignor, hmm. good morning to you. Monsignor, can you hear me? All right, I'm going to put him on hold. Uh, Rudy, if you could try to uh, fix that up. Monsignor okay. Charles Pope is a pastor at the Holy Comforter there uh, in uh, in the Archdiocese of Gal of uh, Washington D.C. And we're hoping to have a candid conversation with him. Good morning, Monsignor. Hmm. Can you hear me yeah. now? No, I'm trying to get through. Yes. All right. Monsignor, are you able to hear me? I can hear you fine. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Monsignor. You're on air with us now. We're grateful for your time today. I was just setting up for the audience sort of my own journey about the first time I ever saw a priest, it was uh, 2008, be so uh, intentional at the Holy Mass. And it was specific to purifying the vessels post-communion. He was so intentional, so uh, so determined to do such a thorough job that it caught my attention. I had never seen anything like it in the 10 years I had become Catholic. And then I also read Bishop Tobin's comment uh, on Twitter about how he's convinced that we must embrace the, uh, the, you know, the traditional Catholics 
in our church today instead of dividing them. And I wanted to talk about the Mass, the Novus Ordo Mass in particular, and, uh, and how we can avoid the abuses in, that we see so common in liturgies and embrace the sacred and the beautiful. What say you, Monsignor Charles Pope? Yeah, well, I, I certainly agree with um, what Bishop Tolan has said. You know, I, <laughs> it, was so, it was so discouraging and disappointing to a lot of people when the Pope issued that. And um, it, there are, um, you know, there's, there's a, there are, I think, for, for, you know, so many richness already in the liturgy, and for him to single out and say that this was becoming divisive, you know, even in the Roman Rite, I mean, we have the new Anglican usage, we have all kinds of, um, <laughs> you know, like the neocatechumenal usage, there's different different approaches, and of course, with the Eastern Rites, we have many different varieties. So I, I think, while, while uh, the Pope's stated thing was greater unity, I think uh, it's, it's a very odd thing that it seemed like he singled out the Latin Mass, and uh well, it's extremely disappointing, and we're having to make a lot of adjustments here in my own diocese. So, but okay, so let's think about the, just the Novus Ordo for a sec here. Um, I see so often that there's a, that there's so many priests take liberties, and they just well, I don't understand why can't they do the red and say the black? Like why why not just follow the rubrics as they as they are laid out? Yeah, you know, I think to me a huge part of the issue is. Uh, this teaching the people, and um, it encourages priests to sort of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, be more of a game show host or, you know, some kind of a show host, um, but rather than, you know, just to focus in and saying that. And I'll be honest, I mean, for, after years and years of saying Mass facing the people, it's even now still sort of an awkward thing. And, uh, but I, I think even good priests sometimes get drawn off into some odd things because uh, so much of the, the the liturgy today is is very focused on man and focused on the congregation, you know, the aware, gathered community celebrating itself. And, um, and now Mrs. Murphy has a birthday. We want to recognize that. And so all of these things, I think, pull priests off, off the mark, even, even good ones struggle um, because it's such a, there's a dynamic of, what I would call man-centered rather than God-centered focus that's present. You know, just the other day we were having a conversation with a priest from Ireland, Father Kilcoyne, out of the Archdiocese of Tuam, mm -hmm. and uh, he was talking about the active participation element. He feels like it's kind of gone too far in the Novus Ordo Mass, and, and he, he was lamenting that and desiring a, a greater sacredness in the Novus Ordo liturgies. And I, as I was trying to say before, I've seen them. I mean, they can be beautiful. They can. Uh, they are in many ways, and and yet we see just there's always this element of just trying to make it uh, more appeasing to the masses. I guess I don't know. I want to get your further comment mm -hmm. on that and to expound how the the liturgy may be celebrated more beautifully and wonderfully in our churches and our parishes. But uh, we're up against a little break here, Monsignor Charles Pope from the Archdiocese of Washington D.C. is our guest. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Catholic Drive Time has more to come.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Are you lured by the half-century-old shift in Christianity that hails, I am supposed to be blessed with all my needs met, including excellent health, upward financial abundance, and sidestepping any adverse circumstance? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, sand or rock. Your prosperity church or your megachurch is offering you vanishing fantasies. Tens of millions are reaching for the lures that tickle a natural human quest for life with no heartaches. That is not Christianity as described by Jesus and the apostles. Secondly, there's 73 books, not just 73 individual verses of a dream life. God's merciful action in our life brings us into seasons that are not pleasant. We all struggle with expectations like, take up your cross and follow me. We just can't skirt it. This is a very real part of Christianity. St. Paul said in multiple places, what he suffered as loss, he counted as rubbish in order that he might gain Christ. And thirdly, my take on the lives of the saints. Bluntly said, more went wrong than went right. Except at the end. And isn't that what counts? Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the Church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Monsignor Charles Pope is our guest. He is a uh, pastor in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. We're talking about, you know, this uh, this difficulty, this division that has been growing in recent years between traditional Catholics and uh, Novus Ordo Catholics and and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I would say. Uh, Monsignor Charles, welcome back to the show. Um... Yeah, before the break, I was sort of setting it up to say, you know, I think as a, as a traditional Catholic, we can sometimes be very critical of Novus Ordo Masses. And I think in part it's because we see all of the abuses that happen. And maybe we're myopically only seeing abuses and not some of the more beautiful uh, liturgies that are said frequently. I remember I, I had for years attended a very beautiful Novus Ordo Mass at, uh, at a church in downtown Houston, Texas, but it was at Orientum, it was said in Latin, it was uh, kneeling on a communion rail, and it felt very much like a TLM. So I'm a bit biased in that regard. But what would you say to that dichotomy or that tension that we are seeing among the lay folk? Yeah, I, I think that um, we have to, I think all of us have to be careful to dogmatize our preferences, you know. There, there, uh, there are legitimately different forms, and and even still, uh, despite all the things the Pope has done, the traditional Latin Mass is still allowed uh, in most places under certain, you know, uh, certain circumstances. So, I think that uh, we have to all be careful. Now, I mean, like for example, I, um, I, I've sometimes been among charismatic Catholics who, you know, kind of. Uh, you know, talk about other Catholics like, well, uh, they're the frozen chosen. They, they don't seem like they're more at a funeral than a wedding, you know. So <laughs> this isn't unique to the TLM. And when I was, you know, the neocatechumenal way, they think their way is, you know, kind of the only real authentic way. You know, they have some adaption to the liturgy. So we could go on like that. But this is sort of a human problem. But it did it, it did become rather common among um, some of the Catholic commentariat, especially to uh, opine Rather loudly that the the new mass is is, is junk, and I don't think any of them went so far as to say it's utterly invalid. But um, this it's been a problem. However, 
I think that it was a manageable problem. We didn't need this heavy-handed, you know, suppression of the liturgy, the you know, that the Pope wants. Um, and uh, you know, some gentle reminders: <laughs> be be a little be a little more cautious in the way you speak, you know, and so on. So I think that was going on. Um, but I I will also say, that, as you point out, so many Catholics are legitimately just brokenhearted over some of the foolishness that goes on in the liturgy. Mm. Uh, that's that's easily you know to be seen on the internet and stuff and everything from clown masses and you know bozo noses and all kinds yeah. of crazy unusual dances and you just say well, what what is this you know and um, it, it's never disciplined it's never reined in it seems that that's the biggest part I mean if it if a complaint is made nothing is ever done and uh, it goes on and on and gets yeah. stranger and weirder and and yet if you want to say a traditional Latin mass by God, you're you know you're you're in trouble now. You know that right. kind of a approach. So it's it's a very it's a very asymmetrical kind of you know one side gets to goof off and do almost anything, and and the, the traditional Latin mass is the problem, and it's just sad and wrong. Yeah, it feels like uh, it's being vilified. You know, and I've been a guy who has struggled with the term traditional Catholic. Um, I, I have wrestled with that. I I don't seek to be a traditional Catholic. I just want to be Catholic. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just right, want right. to embrace the Catholic faith, and I want to enjoy, and, uh, you know, sorry, I think of uh, the Catholic faith as in the deep ocean. I want to swim in all of its grandeur and glory, embracing its 2,000 years of patrimony and pious tradition. Mm -hmm. I want to be at the altar rail in the same way that Teresa of Avila was. I mean, I mean, just, I want to be there for the fullness and the richness of it, and I feel like there's vilification going on, and I would say it's on both sides of that, of that uh, same coin. But uh, let me also say this. We've covered that story. Mm -hmm. I know you're aware of it, Monsignor, about the priest in Milan who went on retreat with teenagers stripped down to only his bo mm -hmm. his bathing shorts uh, and went into the water to say Holy Mass on an air mattress. That priest, mm -hmm. to my knowledge, is still in good standing in his diocese, still saying the sacraments, uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and yet many TLM uh, Masses have been shut down and priests have been vilified. It seems unjust. Yeah, and I, I think... Um, <laughs> Of course, he, he uh, to be fair, he did apologize. He was rebuked publicly by his bishop, and he did apologize. That's so rare. Even that much is so rare, you know. And um, so, again, we have this sort of, yeah, like you said, this dichotomy um, where one side is quickly, you know, is, you know severely disciplined, um, and the other side is just, if there's any discipline at all, it's a hand slap. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it starts to show you this is the idea that people have about mass today, pretty widely in the church. That oh, you can sort of do the mass anywhere, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, and and you know the idea that you could do it on a, a rubber mattress out on a out in the water. Yeah, <laughs> I guess the waves weren't too strong that day. But anyway, all I can say is it's 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 the fact that people even think, well, hey, that's okay, or that's mm -hmm. something reasonable. Uh, this shows us what's happened to our our sense of it, almost nothing is sacred anymore, mm -hmm. nothing. And so there's a cultural issue too. 
Well, okay, so let's talk about that. So there's also examples of uh, masses said in different, uh, the Nova Sordo Mass being said in different cultures around the world where you might see dancing more often. But even in Chicago, mm -hmm. Father Flager is uh, routinely having uh, masses that mm -hmm. feel a lot like Protestant services. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's, it's funny because when I first moved to the Houston, Texas area in 2006 and I turned on the television, there was all these uh, mega churches, Protestant churches here, mm -hmm. and they would do these singing and dancing. It was like a Broadway play every single weekend. One had mm -hmm. built a, a pirate ship and had it on their stage uh, because mm -hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean was out in the movie theaters at the time. And so they were doing a mm -hmm. whole thing of, uh, related to the theme of pirates and and uh, my heart broke for that pastor. Like, he's got to come up with a whole Broadway show every week. This has got to be intense pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, but we see this yeah. type of, uh, we see this type of uh, mass being said, not only in places like Africa, but also in Chicago. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you speak to that at all? Well, I think, now, and, I, and I know um, a good number of priests that have come through uh, and lived at the rectory here who are from Africa and they have a, a deep sense of the sacred uh, still, there, but there is, you know, there are some things that might seem odd to uh, an American, you know, rather elaborate offertory processions. But for them, you know, d dance um, doesn't evoke uh, just, you know, this sort of, um, um, you know, first of all, romantic love or whatever, or these things. It's a communal dance um, where everybody's sort of up and standing while the offertory is brought and they bring it up the aisle. It's quite elaborate. Whereas in this country, you got some woman up there in the leotard sort of doing lots of swaying. <laughs> sorry, sorry. What, what's this all mean? And, uh, mm. you know, some of the some of the guys are sort of saying, maybe I shouldn't be looking at this. So yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a problematic thing. But it, it's, it's a, it, it, if there really is an enculturation that, you know, that makes sense and that is sacred to the people, as it is in Africa, then this is done. But they don't do liturgical dance like we do, you know, at odd moments. It's part of the, generally, just part of the offertory procession, and it doesn't go on other parts of the Mass. Mm. So, at any rate, all these are ways of saying that um, Cardinal Rinze tackled that. He said, look, in most Western settings, dancing makes no sense. Now, in the African setting, there are some provisions, but even that, it's limited. Because, you see, the Mass isn't about us. It's about God. And our, our, our job one is to worship God. And um, this is the focus. And yet you would think, no, this is all about self-actualization and letting people come alive and use their, you know, it's all about us. Mm. And so we run into these cultural issues where we're a very narcissistic culture. I think we just have to accept that's kind of the truth. And it's, uh, people obsessively talk about themselves. That's where all this trans genderism, you've got to use these pronouns, all this nonsense comes back to this sort of heavy, narcissistic focus um, that i got to be me. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of the liturgy is to feed me and please me and entertain me. And I'm not going if I don't get all those things. And um, it's all about me. Mm -hmm. Or even in a bluster form, it's all about us, the aware, gathered community celebrating itself. And, um, no, and well, God's invited too, but, you know, he's, he, he understands and he's everywhere. So there's a lot of cultural, you know, issues like that. And, uh, that is not what's going on with the African offertory procession, but, uh, um, they're, they're celebrating and greatly bringing forward to God gifts. 
But uh, anyway, next yeah. on that, I guess. We but, have yeah. uh, just about a minute and a half, two minutes now left with Monsignor Charles Pope. Uh, let, me, let me ask you, Monsignor, what would you say to someone who is uh, attending one of these, uh, Saint, I call them Saint Suburbia you know, parishes, and they're noticing that there's some, a lot of novelty going on in, in the liturgy. What, what do you recommend that they do? Well, I think first they have to obviously speak to the pastor. And a lot of times they're not going to get very far. <laughs> and they just need to keep informing the bishops. But I do think that, um, you know, the Latin Mass is going to continue to grow because people do have a hunger for the sacred. And the new Mass, which I love, I don't hate the new Mass, uh, can be celebrated very reverently. But even there, sometimes bishops cut priests off at the knees by forbidding out Orientum, mm. like Cardinal Supic did, and so on. So we have... Um, a lot of work to do, but as I say, I think persistence uh, will will pay off, and I think the Latin Mass will continue to thrive, um, again, because of the reason stated, people hunger for the sacred at the end of the day. Uh, a little Mass all focused on us is a very little Mass. Amen. Do you <laughs> think that uh, parishioners, do you think parishioners should try to maybe attend a Mass at a different parish? I'm not referring to necessarily the TLM so yeah. much as, do you think if, the, if they're running into this and they're not getting any responses, do you think they should try mm -hmm. to go to a different parish? Well, certainly, yeah. They, they really should vote with their feet and uh, to some extent the pocketbook, but I, it's about the only, only power they seem to have. There's not mm -hmm. a lot of listening going on sometimes today. Wow. And uh, it's pretty frustrating at times, you know. Yeah, for sure. I'll never forget uh, one of the parishes we attended in New Hampshire, they used uh, glassware uh, for mm. the vessels at Mass. And yeah. I, I was not smart enough to know that that was terrible. <laughs> but we had parishioners and for, there. And forbidden. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Yes, and they did it all the time. And uh, and there were parishioners there who were like, we refuse to leave. It's our parish, not his. He's got to go. We're staying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, okay, well, that too. Yeah. So it's a very interesting uh, situation we're in. And uh, ultimately, uh, I think we should lament the divisions within the church and come together closer as the mm -hmm. body of Christ, but not vilify each other. But uh, we do hunger for something greater, for something uh, more profound and sacred. And we're grateful for your commentary today, Monsignor Charles Pope. God bless you. God love you. And have a great day, Monsignor. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, we enjoyed having our conversations. We are glad that you were with us. If you can, join us in the next hour. Hector Molina is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour to talk about Bishop Robert Barron's commentary on Elijah getting fired. Did God fire Elijah for slaughtering Baal priests? We're going to talk about that next. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. You can join us there. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no comment needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes, every Sunday at Mass. That's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. 
I had a personal experience that was life-changing for me. My husband of 21 years decided to leave um, our family, me and my girls, and um, in the midst of the absolute horrible heartache, I happened to be flipping through the radio one day on the AM channel because I didn't feel like listening to music, and I happened to find Catholic Radio. And ever since then, I have been tuned in religiously, and I feel like I have a really, really strong pull to the Catholic faith. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank those listeners who have supported Catholic Radio financially over the years so that we could be there when Terry needed us. If you would like to support your Catholic Radio station, please visit grnonline.com and you can click on the Donate Now button. Again, we sincerely thank you for helping us to be there for Terry and everyone else that needs God's love. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here, and every week I send you cool stuff straight to your Hi, I'm Jessica Idolette from Prince of Peace. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. God is so very good. It is the weekend. Praise be to God. Uh, looking forward to the after show today where we get to conversate directly with you about whatever you want. And I see uh, we've got some great commentary going on this morning on our CDT Telegram group. Clarissa's over there. Good morning to you, Clarissa. Praise be to God. I see Luz. Good morning to you, Luz. Jay Coke is over there. Praise be to Jesus. I see Nick the Mike is over there. Damon's over there. Uh, I see Kimber, Kimberly Sunderman. Good morning to you. Tammy, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Good to see everybody. Forrest, good morning. Hopefully all is well. And uh, you can always join our CDT Insider Telegram group via our email list, which today is that day when I send that out. So uh, if you want to get in on the CDT Insider email list, you got to sign up over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, you can uh, be a part of our insider chat, which is fun. You know, we chat about all kinds of things. It's not always about what we talk about on the show. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. Other times, you know, we're just all uh, showing our gats. Or what, what are the kids calling these days? Rosaries? I forget. Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Spinning a couple plates here, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we do. We do. Dude, I, I don't mind it. It's pretty nice. It's, it's, you're I don't, like, you're I don't like have the, to talk. I don't have to fumble through my words. You're like the navigator but, on a uh, big ship. That's what kind of like what you are. Yeah, I got the ascot on too. Yeah, so. <laughs> that would be Just a tall sailing ship if you have an ascot <laughs> on. Oh, praise be to God. Good morning yeah. to you also, uh, Mike Koeniger, our good friend from Virginia. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning again, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, filling in this morning, Adrian Fonseca is on vacation. He's attending a wedding someplace, I think, in New Mexico. Pretty sure. He, he gets he gets a lot of vacation. What's up with this? I, you know, that's what I like. When I was his age, I don't think even I had vacation. I, like I didn't even know what the word meant. I had to beg to get a vacation. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe. By the way, I want to see those rosaries on Telegram. I want to see more of those pictures. Yeah, um, I forgot to post mine yesterday. I, I, I have one that uh, I think is going to blow you guys all away. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I, I have a high capacity rosary. I need to uh, <laughs> to take a picture of and put. I it want on. to see those fifteen yeah. decade ones. I'm definitely only, want to see I'm those. A, I'm only carrying my everyday carry today. 
Day, uh, which is the typical one. It's the, the steel beads with the 9mm R Fathers. Uh, praise be to God. Yes, good stuff. Uh, but if you do want to get in on the uh, CDT chat, it's fun. It's a great little community, and it's growing, and we encourage you to be a part of it. Again, you've got to be on our CDT Insider email list to, uh, to be in on that action. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to, uh, to be a part of that. And I'll send that email out later today. But to joining us right now via phone is my good friend Hector Molina. Good morning to you, Hector. Hector, are you there? <laughs> well, today's been a day with the guests. I like. I don't understand. I'm, Try we, one more time. Hector, are you there? I am here. Whew, praise be to God. I'm glad to hear your <laughs> voice, my friend. How are you? I am well, Joe. Good morning, and good morning to everyone there. Well, we're glad to have you on. Um, you know, we we just wrapped up a great conversation with Monsignor Charles Pope, and we'll be posting oh. that in our uh, podcast feed. But uh, we wanted to cover another story that's been burning up Twitter. I mean, just like it's been going like wildfire. I saw this video being passed around. It's a commentary of Bishop uh, uh, Bishop uh, Barron from Word on Fire, who was commenting on First Kings chapter eighteen, and I specifically point to verse forty there. But Elijah confronting the priests of Baal and having the great show. I mean, this is action adventure movie kind of stuff. Like, this is one of <laughs> yes, the best is. scenes ever. Of can you set that up real quick? And then I, what I want to do is I actually want to play the clip so we can uh, let the audience hear exactly what Bishop Barron said. But uh, why don't you set up what is the what's going down in First Kings eighteen, Hector Molina? Well, in First Kings eighteen, we have the description of the contest or the battle between the prophet Elijah and the four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal. And many of us, if not all of us, know of the drama of this particular story and that ultimately Elijah calls down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. And subsequent to that, he then proceeds to kill these 450 prophets. And Bishop Barron, in his commentary, this is taken from a, an online sermon that he delivered back in August of 2020, so it's a, a few years old. But actually, in doing a little research, we have basically a, a, another sermon clip, an audio clip of Bishop Barron, essentially affirming the same going back to 2004. Mm-hmm. And the gist of it is this. He's really focusing in on the whole question of this, event that took place after the slaughter of these 450 prophets. You remember that Queen Jezebel basically put a hit out on the prophet because she, he essentially wiped out all of the prophets of Baal, presumably, <laughs> and so he was on the run, became extremely distraught, distressed, was at the point of just giving it all up. And the Lord, an angel, refreshed him and essentially called him to Mount Horeb, which is the mountain of God. And there, in chapter 19, we have a description of a theophany. God promised Elijah that he would manifest himself to him. So we have this, basically, you have an earthquake, you have a fire, you have all of these grand manifestations. Well, God was not in the earthquake nor the fire, but he was in, he was in the still small voice. And Bishop Barron essentially... Uh, homily in the sermon was interpreting this still small voice to be essentially the equivalent of God firing the prophet <laughs> yeah. Elijah. 
which was uh, a, a pretty controversial statement in a position to yeah. take, yeah. Uh, to say the least. And it ruffled numerous feathers sure. and raised eyebrows, including yeah. my own. So that, right. that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, let me uh, let me play the clip so that uh, we can hear exactly what Bishop Barron said. Powers doing the the best thing that prophets ever done in Israel, but in the immediate wake of that, the tiny whispering voice says, "It's time for your successor, Elijah. You're fired." Why is he being fired? Could it have something to do with that extraordinary violence he showed? after the beautiful prophetic manifestation on Mount Carmel. You know, okay, so that's that's the clip. It's a shortened piece. I think the entire video is like 13 minutes or something, and that's like 30 seconds mm -hmm. of it. Uh, and yes. I boil it down to, uh, if you listen to the whole clip, he really points out that after Elijah had his uh, mano a mano, one man against 450. I mean, like, you have to watch some Hong Kong Kung Fu, you know, uh, get down type of movies to get this kind of action. One man, 450 opponents, and he wipes the floor with all of them. And it's just such an epic passage in 1 Kings 18. Uh, you should yeah. go read it. But at the end of it, he, he has them all slaughtered by sword uh, down by the river. And, uh, and so when Bishop Barron says that in his commentary, in the longer version, 13-some minutes... He actually says uh, he, ha he slits their throats. And I found that very interesting because I, I did some research this morning, and that's uh, verse 40 of 1 Kings 18. It says, Elias said to them, this is the Douay Rams, by the way, and Elias said mm -hmm. to them, take the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And when they had taken them, Elias brought them down to the torrent Sison. Uh, Sison and killed them there. Now I tried to find some reference to the slitting of the throat, and maybe it actually did happen that way. I don't know, but I couldn't find in any translation nor commentary uh, that it said that. How do you interpret that, Hector Molina? Well, you know what? Even that whole question in terms of, of the manner in which the prophet slew these false prophets of Baal, that really is not that important. The important thing is that the prophet no doubt put these 450 prophets to death, putting aside the exact manner in which he did it. What Bishop Barron is doing is he's taking exception. He's, he's really, this is not exegesis. I'd say that he, he's really stretching things, and you could see a bit of eisegesis here in that he's reading into the text his own slant, his own bent, uh, mm. basically injecting kind of a modern sensibility to an ancient event, something that took place thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. And he's taking exception to this, and he's really, this is, a, it's putting it mildly, it's a bit of a stretch to suggest that the still small voice was the equivalent of God saying, you're fired, <laughs> yeah. it's time for your successor, that he somehow was displeased with the actions of the prophet. I mean, just ask the question, how do you think, going back to what you said before, how do you think the prophet was able to slay these 450 prophets of Baal if the Lord had not delivered them right. into his hand? Right. There's nowhere in the text where God expresses his displeasure or his outrage or, or any kind yeah. of, of a sense of dissatisfaction with the prophet. So 
he's reading into this text something that just isn't there, yeah. and that's what we call eisegesis and not exegesis. In mm-hmm. fact, if you read the entire account, at the end of it, God goes so far as to indicate to the prophet Elijah that he is to appoint two kings and he is to anoint his successor, the prophet Elisha. And what's more, he indicates, he doubles down. This is God who is saying that no one will escape the swords of these two kings and the prophet Elisha. So what does that mean? If God is affirming the fact that no other prophets of Baal shall escape the sword of these two kings whom God is appointing and Elijah's successor, it just doesn't make any sense that God would be displeased and somehow outraged mm-hmm. by the violence of the prophet Elijah who slew these right. 450 It just doesn't make yeah, sense. It doesn't, it doesn't compute. It doesn't hold water. Right. No. Hadock's commentary said, uh, killed them by God's inspiration as imposters yeah. who had deluded the people and were worthy of death. That's Hadock's commentary. The Catholic commentary on Scripture by Bernard Orchard says, Elias used the enthusiasm of the people to eliminate the prophets who were outlaws in the realm of Yahweh. The Council of Trent actually references this exact verse, 1 Kings 18.40. In question number five, they are not guilty of murder who slay the enemy in just war. It says, in like manner, neither do they sin who uh, uh, actuated not by motives of of cupidity or cruelty, but by the sole desire of promoting the public good. Take away the, the life of the enemy in a just war. There are, moreover, on record, instances of slaughter executed by the special command of God himself. The sons of Levi, who put to death so many thousands in one day, were guilty of no sin. After the slaughter, they were thus addressed by Moses. Ye have consecrated your hands this day to the Lord, close quote, the, the Catechism of the Council of Trent. So uh, it seems to me that there are many instances, uh, the Great Flood, for instance, or this uh, slaughtering of the, uh, of the golden calf worshippers by the, uh, by the uh, Levites. Yeah, and, 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here in 1 Kings 18, uh, harem warfare became a necessary component to try to save the Israelites from, because the Israelites were worshipping the devil, and that and Elijah was trying to save them from this, was he not? Oh, he was. When what's more, it wasn't just that they were worshiping false deities or demons, but they were engaged in child sacrifice, human sacrifice. I mean, we're talking about wicked and evil and perverted peoples, enemies of God. And as you alluded to in your quote here, that's fantastic for the Council of Trent. We see instance after instance in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, of God using his instruments, using his people to execute judgment on the enemies of God. You look at Exodus 32, as you alluded to, and the Levites who were instructed by God. I mean, it says in in verse 27, and he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, put every man his sword on his side and go to and from the gate to the gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. You have the example in First Samuel 15 of Saul defeating and slaughtering the Amalekites. 
You have Joshua chapter 6. I mean, there are numerous examples yeah. of God using his instruments Amen. to execute judgment. All right. Well, praise be to God. Hector Molina, we're so grateful for your time today. You can check out Hector on his website, HectorMolina.com. That's HectorMolina.com. We're going to have you back soon. God bless you, Hector. Thank you for being on. Thank you, brother. All right. What's coming up next is the game show. Today's the day we give out prizes. If you want your last three chances to get your copy of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence, you must call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Many Protestants believe we are saved by faith alone, and they say Catholics believe they can work their way into heaven. How do you answer that? First, I ask them to show me where in the catechism, the official teaching of the Catholic Church, does it teach that we can work our way into heaven. They can't because it doesn't. The Catholic Church has never taught a doctrine of salvation by works, that we can work our way into heaven. Second, I ask them to show me where in the Bible does it teach that we are saved by faith alone. They can't because it doesn't. The only place in all of Scripture where the phrase faith alone appears is in James 2.24 where it says that we are not, not justified or saved by faith alone. So one of the main pillars of Protestantism, the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, not only doesn't appear in the Bible, but the Bible actually says the exact opposite, that we are not saved by faith alone. Third, I ask them that if works have nothing to do with our salvation, then how come every passage in the New Testament that talks about judgment says we will be judged by our works, not by faith alone? We see this in Romans 2, Matthew 15, 1 Peter 1, and many other verses. Fourth, I ask them if we are saved by faith alone, why does 1 Corinthians 13, 13 say that love is greater than faith? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Catholics believe that we are saved by God's grace alone. We can do nothing apart from God's grace to receive the free gift of salvation. However, we have to respond to His grace. Protestants believe that too. However, many Protestants believe that the only response necessary is an act of faith, whereas Catholics believe a response of faith and works is necessary, whereas the Bible puts it in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. Faith working through love, just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas. But what we need now is a contestant on the line. Phone lines are wide open. If you want an opportunity to win this week's prize, which today's the day where we give out that prize, call right now. 877-757-9424. Adrian uh, is not in, but uh, Rudy's here, and he's going to take your call at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877 877- 757-9424. First caller gets to play the game with us, possibly winning the prizes today. 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now for your chance 
to win our prizes. But there are some things that we do like to do here. We just don't want the word getting out. That's all. So got to keep it close to the chest. Uh, number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something you probably didn't know before. Then that wasn't true yesterday, actually. <laughs> yeah, Yesterday's were all easy. But today, I guarantee you're going to learn at least one thing. You might learn two today. It's that much fun. Praise be to God. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. Our callers actually are amazing. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that most of all. But we do give out prizes, which means it's an incentive for everybody. It's a winner for all involved. But the kicker is, out of the three Catholic trivia questions that are sitting in front of me right now, we won't be asking the caller a single question. They don't even need to know to win our game, praise be to God. They may not know a single one and still win. That's because I'll ask Rudy and I'll ask Mike. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? Uh, I was going to say Rudy or Adrian, but no. It's Rudy <laughs> or Mike. And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? If you are watching on the live stream, you can see it in my hand right now. It is the one, the only, the resplendent coffee cup of Divine Providence. The winner this week is going to win a replica, official replica, by the way, of the coffee cup of Divine Providence, mm -hmm. which we will draw mm -hmm. in just a few moments. Okay. Okay. Sounds uh, reasonable. Sounds fair. Praise mm -hmm. be to God. All right. So let's go to the phones. Uh, good morning to you, Antonio. Yes, sir. Good morning. Hey, praise be to God, Antonio. Are you calling in from the great city of Houston, Texas? Yes, I am. Wonderful. Praise be Now, have you, have you called in the past? Uh -huh, you remember. Hey, hey. Now, I'm trying to remember what parish you go to. Uh, I go to uh, St. Helen or uh, Holy Rosary and Cocatillo. Those oh, churches. I was going to guess something completely different. So I'm He's glad. a church hopper. <laughs> <laughs> glad I didn't. I, was I think I was going with Francis Cabrini in my mind, but no. Okay, so yes. uh, St. Helen's in Pearland. I've been there. Uh, it's been a long time since I have been there. And then, of course, oh. Holy Rosary is a beautiful parish in the uh, Midtown it area. Is, yes. And then the Co-Cathedral downtown, uh, epic structure there. Oh. Praise be to God. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, Antonio, then you are a veteran of this game. But today, there's curveballs flying your way. So you're going to have to be somewhat oh. careful here. Now, as your tour right. guide, as your guide and your friend, <laughs> your, you know, your only confidant, the only person you can really and truly trust in the mm. game show mm. is me. And uh, But don't fact check yes. that. But nonetheless, you should know that Rudy is wearing an ascot and he's sitting in the same place as Adrian normally does and then you got Mike Koeniger so and there is no telling I mean he's he's bald he's got a goatee he's from Virginia we just don't know what's going to happen okay so uh, bear all that in mind today uh, Antonio but are you ready to play sir yes sir I am praise be to God we will start with Mike Koeniger as is our custom our tradition to start with the news reader guy good morning to you Mike again Hey, good morning, everybody. Now, you are not wearing a tie, but it's hard. we don't have enough data to correlate whether or not that means something. <laughs> He's wearing a plaid shirt. He's, but he is wearing a plaid shirt, so there's that. Are you ready, Mike? Uh, I am ready. We're going to do this CDT style. Praise be to God. Are you sure? Absolutely. Are you really sure? Got my tricky gig on. All right, let's do this. Let's start with an easy one, then. Uh, Mike, could you tell me who is the patron saint of bakers. Easy one, Joe. We all know this. It's Saint Duff. Saint, uh, one more time. Saint who? Duff. Duff. D -U -F. 
Uh, Duff, you say. Saint yes, sir. Duff is the answer. Everybody knows that. Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, wow. Praise be to God. Okay. Uh, let's just see what uh, Brother Rudy in his ascot seems to think. Uh, I'm just glad you're, you don't have like a pipe in your mouth this morning. Where you set all the fire alarms off. Uh, they said I couldn't smoke in here. So. Uh, yeah. But could you tell me, uh, Brother Rudy, who is the patron saint of bakers, please? The patron saint of bakers. Uh, one of our listeners, Master Baker, should know this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to go with St. Nicholas, believe it or not. Really? Might be, maybe it's because he left some cookies or something around. or hmm. I don't know. Something like that. What kind of cookies are we talking about here? Uh, obviously, we're talking about chocolate chips. Yeah, not yeah. the crunchy ones, oh, the gooey ones. Yay and amen. Praise <laughs> <Amen. laughs> Okay. So, uh, Brother Antonio in Houston, Texas, you've got options. Uh, Rudy seems to think that the patron saint of bakers is St. Nicholas, whereas uh, Brother Mike seems to think it is St. Duff. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Antonio, what say you? I would like to say Mr. Rudy. You would like to say? Mm, well, yes. what, what, do, what are you actually going to say is the question. Rudy. Survey says... Uh, sure? <laughs> yeah. uh, well played, sir. Well played. I like to say. I like that. Now we're losing a little confidence in you, Rudy. Mm. Uh, that's standard fare for Adrian, mm. but... Uh, well... Oof. I guess uh, it just you're comes with the, the uh, sitting in the, yeah, the right seat. You're getting you know. the Adrian treatment today. Well, <laughs> that's I'll good stuff. It. All right, St. Nicholas is the correct answer. And uh, I guess we, we don't know whether or not they were chocolate chips, but because he loves God intensely, I'm sure they were. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they were. But congratulations, Antonio. You're in. Now, that was the easy one. Okay, the next one, harder. It's definitely harder. Let's take it one second at a time here. We're going to go to Rudy first. Rudy? Can you tell me? Okay. A picture or carving with sacred subjects or emblems on three sections is called what? That is what's known as, uh, canonically, a three-piece. Really? Yeah. A three-piece. A three-piece, yeah. Whoa. I think say, I, let me get a... I have one of those at the house. Three-piece? Okay. Three-piece. Uh-huh. Three-piece. Let's see what uh, Brother Mike Koniger has to say. Mike, could you tell me a picture or a carving that has sacred subjects on it or emblems on three different sections is called what? It is called a triptych. Uh, only thing I know in three pieces of suit. So. <laughs> uh, uh, a triptych? Did you say triptych? Okay, yes, that music's a tad loud there. Let me just brother, reduce that. There you go. Brother Rudy. All right, so a triptych. Hmm. Okay, well, Antonio, you got options. Is this a picture or carving with sacred subjects or emblems on three sides? Is it a triptych, as Mike Koniger says, or a three-piece, as Brother Rudy is ordering up today? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who is wrong? Antonio, what say you? I would like to say Mike. No. Yes. Yes, I, actually. I, 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 actually, no. You were right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. You are right. You are right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, triptych. It was triptych. a triptych. That's the correct answer. It was trick-tick. 
Yeah. Don't, uh, ignore the host that's the trying tricky. to trip you up. It's, <laughs> it's the triptych. It's See, the correct answer. everybody just got a taste. <laughs> no. This is... It's, mm. Joe no, is not on your team. Nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. There's nothing to see here. It was the triptych is the correct answer for a picture or carving with sacred subjects on three sides. Okay, you're in for two. Let's go for a third. Also, exceedingly hard. I'm going to say this is expert level. Maybe only the Pope knows the correct answer on this one. Uh, we'll have to find some out. Some would say. Uh, some would say. Let's go to Mike Koeniger for this one. Mike, could you tell me what term refers to to a demand in the name of God, either or as, either as a prayer or a command to do something or refrain from doing something. That's a tricky question. Just to say, uh, it is. <laughs> this is this is tricky level ten, but it's an impetration. Uh, well, I'm sorry. One more time. A what? Impetration. Impetration. You say? Imp I, yes, sir. Uh, I know what that means. Google.com. Okay, wait. Let's go with uh, Rudy here. Rudy, could you tell me uh, what what term refers to a demand in the name of God, either as a prayer or a command to do something or to refrain from doing something? What do we call that? Joe, I adjure you from eating anything other than meat ah, for the next two months. You and my wife. But it's known as an adjuration. An adjuration. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Antonio... Rudy says it's an adjuration. Uh, Mike says it's an impertation. Impetration. Impetration. Impetration is what Mike said. So is it adjuration, Rudy, or impetration, Mike? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Antonio, what say you? I'm going to close my eyes while driving. I'm going to say Rudy. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Keep your eyes wide open, please, sir. Antonio, well done. You played well. You got three right. Those were two tricky questions. You did great. Yes, Adjuration was you. the correct answer. But we're pulling a name out of the coffee cup of Divine Providence right now. It could be you, Antonio. Could I don't be. know. What is God's I holy will? See. Let's find out. All right, I have one in my hand now, mm -hmm. and the winner, it, it's Antonio. No! Yes! <laughs> Antonio, I think you have a solemn obligation to stick your head out the window and scream to the rooftops, praise be to God. Just right, right now, just roll the window down, shove your head out, and just praise be to Jesus. And close your eyes. Yes, exactly. And don't close, no, don't close your eyes. Not on Houston Highways, anyway. It's scary stuff. <laughs> God bless you, Antonio. We're going to put you on hold to make sure we get your info so we can send you your own replica of the coffee cup of Divine Providence, personally autographed by the team here, plus a goodie pack of prizes. So God bless you, Antonio. Have a great day. And uh, thank, thank you, so you much, for playing our game today. All right. Adrian was off. Rudy, you survived it. Congratulations. And see, it's not easy, is it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say it is easy. <laughs> I'm going to say it's easy. I'm going to say it's not easy. I'm going to say it's a tricky piece of business, but we survived it. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us in the after show to conversate there. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you there. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. 
to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel, today we celebrate the memorial of St. John Eudes. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Sing praise to our Creator, O you of Adam's race. God's children by adoption, baptized into his grace. Praise the Holy Trinity, undivided unity, Holy God, mighty God, God immortal be adored. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Lord Jesus, you are mighty God and Prince of Peace. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you are Son of God and Son of Mary. Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord Jesus, you are Word made flesh in splendor of the Father. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who wonderfully chose the priest St. John Eudes, to proclaim the unfathomable riches of Christ. Grant us, by his example and teachings, that growing in knowledge of you, we may live faithfully by the light of the gospel. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord came upon me and led me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me in the center of the plain, which was now filled with bones. He made me walk among the bones in every direction so that I saw, so that I saw how many they were on the surface of the plain, how dry they were. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones come to life? I answered, Lord God, you alone know that. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, See, I will bring spirit into you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews upon you, make flesh grow over you, cover you with skin, and put spirit in you, so that you may come to life and know that I am the Lord. I prophesied as I had been told, and even as I was prophesying, I heard a noise. It was a rattling as the bones came together, bone joining bone. I saw the sinews and the flesh come upon them, and the skin cover them, but there was no spirit in them. Then the Lord said to me, Prophesy to the spirit, prophesy, son of man, and say to the spirit, Thus says the Lord God, From the four winds come, O spirit, and breathe into these slain, that they may come to life. I prophesied as he told me, and the Spirit came into them. They came alive and stood upright, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They have been saying, 
our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, O my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and have you rise from them, O my people. I will put my spirit in you that you may live and I will settle you upon your land. Thus you shall know that I am the Lord. I have promised and I will do it, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, those whom he has redeemed from the hand of the foe, and gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Give thanks, thanks to, to the Lord, Lord his, his love, love is, is everlasting. everlasting. They went astray in the desert wilderness, the way to an inhabited city they did not find. Hungry and thirsty, their life was wasting away within them. Give thanks to the Lord, his love is everlasting. They cried to the Lord in their distress. From their straits he rescued them, and he led them by a direct way to reach an inhabited city. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love is everlasting. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and his wondrous deeds to the children of men, because he satisfied the longing soul and filled the hungry soul with good things. Give thanks to the Lord. His love is everlasting. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Teach me your paths, my God. Guide me in your truth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together with one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In that first reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, God promises that he will give, give us a new heart and place a new spirit within us. This is so essential really for our Christian life because as Jesus said in the gospel, the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your whole heart, mind, and soul and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus is going to actually elevate that when he says, love one another as I have loved you. Because love, St. John says, consists in this, not that we have loved God. And the Greek will say, and are loving God. But first, that God has loved us. 
we all have a natural love. Of course, we, we have a love for our parents, which nobody, nobody just taught us this. We just, it was a natural love. But to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, to love our neighbor as, as Jesus has loved us, that is something that is supernatural. That is something that we have to receive. And it's brought by this new heart and new spirit that the Lord has given to us. He has breathed the Holy Spirit upon us so that we could love, even have the possibility of loving in this way. That first reading of the book of, of, of the prophet Ezekiel is, is so beautiful, beautiful and we should go back to it often and reflect on it. Uh, sometimes we in our own spiritual life, in our own life, feel like we're those dry bones, that we're dried up. Sometimes our spiritual life is it just sort of, uh, we're, we're, they say, uh, seca in Italian and in, uh, and in Spanish. Dry. Just that we don't feel like we have anything to give. It's then, brothers and sisters, we should call upon the Holy Spirit to breathe on us. In fact, if you're experiencing this or have, or sometime in the near future you do, there's a beautiful hymn that we sing in the Liturgy of the Hours for Daytime Prayer called Breathe on Me, Breath of God. And the first verse goes like this. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew that I may love the things you love and do what you would do. By asking and inviting the Holy Spirit to come to us, by the, that word that Jesus promised, by he breathing into us, he gives us this new heart and this new spirit. And what is it that we love? The very things that he loves. In other words, if we really have this new spirit, this new heart, we will fre frequent the Eucharist we will go to confession often. We will go to the sacraments because there we know we find life. That, that divine life is renewed within us. The life that we received in our baptism. It's interesting that in this, I think that the reading from the prophet Ezekiel can speak to us particularly today. Not that long ago, things like uh, zombies were very, very popular. And in fact, there's one moment in that, in, that, in that reading from the prophet Ezekiel where there was just the dry bones that had come together and there was flesh on them, but no spirit. It's kind of like zombie land, right? What is missing? Well, there's two things we kind of tend to, in modern culture, go towards two extremes. One is, I think, sort of you call it the superhero or superpower sort of way of doing that. And that is where we have, uh, no, we have spirit but invent, we don't want the body. We want, we want to be limitless. The fact is, is our bodies limit us to being in one place and not another, uh, to our, the strength that we have or we don't have. So we, we want sort of this limitlessness, but we recognize that as human beings, as human persons, because of our body, we have limitations. And that's okay. God has made us this way. You know? um, in the resurrection, then we will, have, we will have less limits than we have now. But then the other side of it is what we tend to probably today is to have a body but no spirit. And that's, that's a zombie, right? A body that has no spirit, that has no life within it, is just this creature that is walking around decaying <laughs> but has no life. That's where the Holy Spirit has to come within us to give us this new heart and new spirit so that we can love the very things that God loves. To love him with all our heart, mind, and soul, to love our neighbors, ourselves, is not something that we can naturally just do. We can't simply rely on ourselves. It requires that supernatural charity. 
which God has infused in us by the Holy Spirit. So let us ask the Holy Spirit today, each day of our lives, but especially in those times when we feel dry, when we feel like we have no energy to do God's will, or that we seem, God seems this distant from us. He has not left us alone. He's always there. He's always ready to pour out his spirit upon us to renew us. Our hope is never lost. We are not cut off. We simply need to turn to the Lord, to the things that he loves, that we know fill us with life, so that those dry bones, that flesh, could have a deep spirit and a renewed heart within us. We are all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God, that it may re be renewed in the Holy Spirit, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. Let us pray for those who hold public office and those who assist them in promoting the common good, who, though, that they may serve those who are most in need, always defending life and respecting those who are most vulnerable, we pray to the Lord. We are ever mindful of those who are elderly and who suffer from isolation or sickness. We ask that they may be strengthened by our love of them as our brothers and sisters. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our for ourselves gathered here, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. We pray to the Lord. Let's pray for the intention of those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media. Also pray for those who are in retreat here at Our Lady of Corpus Christi, that this time may be a time of renewal of heart and mind and soul in the Lord. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, let us remember those who have died and all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and for all of his holy church. Most merciful God, who are pleased to create in blessed John Eudes, the new man in your image, the old having passed away, graciously grant, we pray, that renewed like him, we may offer you the acceptable sacrifice of conciliation through Christ our Lord.
the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence, by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples saying, take this all of you and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. 
Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church in recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John Eudes, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you, in your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptus salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, Sancti vice tu nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum cotidianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, Sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. The suffrage of the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God.
Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Amen, I say to you, that you who have left all and followed me will receive a hundredfold and possess eternal life. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. By the power of this sacrament, Lord, we pray, lead us always in your love through the blessed example, the example of blessed John Eudes and bring to fulfillment the good work you have begun in us until the day of Christ Jesus, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. The Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Love divine, all love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us your holy dwelling, thou thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, Thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love Thou art. Visit us with Thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. 
Come on, mighty to deliver, let us all thy grace receive. Suddenly he return and never, never. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Deborah Haney from the Catholic School's office at the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.